Welcome to the Marketing Home, Marketing You podcast. Week after week, Barbara Savona of Sprout Marketing brings you quality conversations with industry leaders, mini marketing workshops, and step-by-step guides on everything marketing, business, and career growth. So grab a cup of coffee and get ready for some outside-the-box ideas from the girl that lives inside the shipping container box. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Marketing Home, Marketing You. Today, we have a real treat. We have psychologist, Dr. Lindsay Bira. Dr. Bira, welcome. Thank you so much, Barbara, for having me. I'm excited to be here both as a psychologist and a human to talk about how we all stay successful and healthy. I'm so excited for this conversation. You know, when I was introduced to you and the work that you do a few years ago, Um, It was really a time where I was just feeling a little bit overwhelmed with the level of responsibility, owning your own business, managing a team, and then still having all the things in life happening. And so over the years, you've really helped me with um, the topic we're going to talk about today, which is resiliency. So I'm excited for our audience to really hear your strategies. And what I love about uh, your style, you know, is something that, you know, we've talked about is you're very actionable, Dr. Beer. I feel like you have always these actionable tips. And does that come from the fact that you, um, you kind of understand the workings of high kind of high level executives that we want to go, 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 and we're ready to get, get to the meat of everything. Yes. First of all, thank you so much for that feedback. And it's always such a pleasure to help meet somebody where they're at and figure out strategies around how to increase success and just feeling better in this one life that we get. And I would say that, you know, by training as a clinical psychologist, a clinical health psychologist, evidence-based treatment is pretty actionable. So what the research shows works is tools and techniques that people can put into action pretty quickly. But specifically for a high performer, that actionability, if that's a word, is even (laughs) more important because you're busy, right? And a lot of people have the reputation or, or perceived therapy as being sitting on the couch, digging way back into family problems and, you know, what your parents did to you. It's like, that could be helpful and informative, but when you have to go right back into your high paced work day and get stuff done, sometimes there's not enough space for that. You just don't want to go down that path. And so I think part of my personal style that I've developed in working with so many executives and leaders for their teams and people with, you know, big career goals that have a lot going on in their life is I've realized that in order to engage that type of person, and honestly, I am the same way. So whenever I've worked with a therapist, I need that same kind of thing is you have to make it interesting and useful. And I like to package things that people can immediately take. I'm also, you know, I tend to be a little bit ADHD spectrum. So for my clients, I always like to type it up in an email. So three steps that you can work on immediately and that you will remember because now it's in an email. So I find that that works really well. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy to hear that that's something that's resonated with you. Absolutely. I love that. I feel like this was more of a working session where I would take notes and there would be something that I'm like, okay, literally I'm going to get off of this call. This is going to change the way that I operate in this arena. And then I love the follow-up emails. Sometimes you'd attach extra articles with research. And so um, that's funny that you mentioned the emails because when I'm training my teams and we talk about how to draft an email, I would often share, like, if you're sending to an executive, you need to literally bullet point out what you need them to remember. It needs to be short, digestible, and you can ditch the fluff. (laughs) And that's what I, that's exactly what I think about. 
So since we're talking about high performers, uh, I'd love to know from your perspective as a psychologist, what are the ways that you can really, what are the main things that are needed to support someone that's in just this high performing, constantly demanding role? They want to be successful at their career, but they're also juggling, just like you said, the human part of life that kind of things throw at you. So what are some of the things that, or maybe the most important thing that needs to be supported? Yes. So this is where the picture of resiliency really comes in. And if we think about the concept of resiliency, this is more about how we stay, how we keep a buffer zone to adversity in life, because we know that life is constantly bringing us hardship and struggle and there's ups and downs and that will literally never end. And especially for somebody who has bigger career goals or, you know, is leading teams, there's even more chaos related to daily life and things that happen and get in the way of our goals. And we have to restructure around and everything. So resiliency is very key. Now, historically with clinical psychology and whenever somebody has done therapy, it's more from a disorder model. So it's more from saying, okay, here you are as a human, you have some anxiety, you have some depression, maybe you have some OCD tendencies, ADHD, panic, fill in the blank, right? So this is what you're presenting with. Let's treat that, right? That can be very helpful if something is pretty severe and acute. So it is the number one thing impacting your life. But what I've found is that's more of a rarity. That might be a symptom of many other things that are going on that we really need to look at from a different lens, not this disorder model. And then if we also look at somebody who is, you know, a high performer, they might not want to work on that thing. They might want to just get tools that help them be, you know, better at responding to the things that their life is presenting. So this is where we get into the different approach of resiliency. Resiliency is really about working consistently on some exercises, emotional intelligence, emotional awareness, and well-being exercises that provide us a buffer zone to where when things happen in life, we aren't as rocked by them. So this is paying attention to different domains in our life. So there's actually six domains of resiliency that I can go over that we always need to work on but it's basically working on those consistently. So making that a value, just like we do exercise or, you know, not eating pizza every day. Hopefully, you know, we don't, <laughs> don't do that, even though we might want to, um, but it's like paying attention to our diet, our sleep, our exercise, the quality of our relationships. You know, when we widen that circle out, we start to really get into the resiliency pieces of things that we need to work on on a daily basis. So that now when something happens, it doesn't rock us as much. This can also relate to having certain tools, tips, and tricks to help help us work with people more effectively, help us manage our own emotions or shift our perspectives in the, in the face of something that's upsetting us. Okay. I love so many of the things you said, this buffer to me, I'm like picturing a visual buffer because I think sometimes the approach, at least in my mind, um, and maybe this is a high performer thing too, is if I just line everything up, right. If I just organize everything, if I get the right team, I'm not going to have a lot of those things come up. But what you're talking about is, no, those things are going to come up, accepting that, but creating a toolkit that you can draw from. Is that right? Yes, that's exactly right. A toolkit and almost like 
like an equity box. Like, you know how if you're putting coins in a box every single day, then you have a box full of coins. Same thing that we put into our savings, right? Or we're building our own health equity, our cardiovascular equity later on in life by exercising and paying attention to our diet. So it's the same thing with our emotional well-being and basically how good we feel, how able we are to access joy in our life. This is building that buffer zone. It's basically resiliency. Yep. Okay. So I, I want to uh, really think about that from that perspective. So how would you exactly define it? Can we talk about these six areas? Cause I'm really intrigued yes. now. Yes. It's very interesting. And so I've really used this and leaned into this more um, as a part of my practice, since I do work with so many high-performing people and I've also kind of structured my own business as a clinical psychologist and, you know, part of, you know, came from my own life experience to align with promoting more resiliency. And the measure that I use, it's called the PR6, it's the predictive resiliency six scale, and it's been used in quite a bit of research. It's not one of the oldest measures or the most research supported measures because it is new. However, it's the most comprehensive measure of resiliency and it has six domains that we break down. And so these six domains, and I'm going to kind of go over them right now, but these domains are what we can consistently work on and build into our life so that we have that buffer zone. And so this year I launched Ocean Oriented, which is an immersive resiliency retreat expedition for leaders that I hold at sea on a catamaran. And we basically fold the neuroscience of resiliency into ocean adventure with free diving, spearfishing, ocean table chef, the whole thing. And so it's a four day experience, very immersive that helps leaders be better leaders with their teams or teams be better teams. And so I use the PR six as a guide. So before the expedition, we use the PR six after the expedition, we take another measurement and three months after we take another one. And throughout everything that we do, all these ocean adventures, we're, we're building in these concepts of resiliency to really reinforce it and practice it. I chose the PR6 because it has these six domains that I'm about to go over. And it also is based on exactly the neurobiology. So how the brain works, this is neuroscience. And this is why these newer measures, to me, it's, it's a more representative um, picture of resiliency because it's more based on the science that we might not have had 20 years ago. So let me kind of walk you through okay. these six domains. Number one, and I really want to drive this home for all the listeners and for you and me, Barbara, to just reflect on yes. in our own lives, is the most important domain of resiliency is vision. So this means having a sense of purpose and meaning and alignment and priorities that we have kind of set so that we can view them and having goals that naturally motivate us. This is the most important stuff. So just having a vision. Having a vision in a personal relationship, in a professional role for a goal for the team or some type of advancement you're trying to get to with your company, that vision piece is the most important because we can't see it. We literally can't even get there, right? We can't even walk towards it. And so, you know, this is also based on, you know, how the brain learns as well. So we know that as we're getting older, we can't possibly understand a concept until we have a word for it and we can define it and we can look at it. Right. Now we have control over it. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's really great that we live now in these days because mental health terms are floating all around the internet. There's Instagram accounts that are really defining the human experience. And once we have that defined, we can see it and we can have a vision. We understand what to do. 
this is why being able to see something is so, so, so important. And so, especially when it comes to our own daily lives, a vision for our day, a vision for our week, our month, our year, in terms of our company and our personal lives is extremely important. And so all the research supports that the biggest predictor of resiliency is having a strong vision and that will carry you through anything by knowing that it's not like a vision magically happens to us. You know, we have to create that vision. We have to look at what's in front of us, really ask ourselves about which goals hit home and why we're even doing that. And that can create a sense of vision and that moves us forward. So question for you, I guess, you know, I've heard a lot about, you said something about vision and then it's almost like your identity is tied with that vision. So is it that when you have a clear vision, you're constantly kind of checking back your actions to say, are my actions aligning with this vision? And it kind of leads you to then either push through when things are hard or pull back and reevaluate. Is that the value? Yes. Yes. And that's where that alignment piece comes in. So we kind of have this purpose and meaning. So it's like, okay, why am I doing this? And why am I waking up every day? Mm -hmm. Right. Then we have alignment and priorities. This is like, okay, my actions are in line with my goals and here's what's important and I'm actioning them, right? I'm immediately moving towards them. So that's what you're talking about is I can look at my own behaviors and say, yes, I feel aligned. You know, we were just chatting recently about, uh, you know, kind of my own social media and how I struggle yeah. with putting things on the interwebs. And, you know, I have all of this content from ocean oriented that I struggle with, you know, finding the right person to help me or to um, find the time to put it up there myself. And part of that, when I really step back and think about the resiliency piece, it's that I lack a vision sometimes about exactly what I want it to come off as, or, you know, uh, you know, it's not my training area. So it's, it's that, that I've really realized if I can sit down and create the feel or create the brand, now suddenly I have a vision and that helps me move forward with it. Okay. That makes so much sense because I guess in a way, it's almost like your marker that if there's a part of your life that you're struggling with, you probably just have not gotten clear on what you want that part to look like. Exactly. What do you want to feel with it? Where do you want to go with it? What does that look like on a daily, weekly, monthly basis? What do you need to put into place that can actually help you take those steps? Okay, great. So that was one is vision, a really strong yeah. vision. And I spend a little bit more time on that because it is just so important. Okay. So flush that out. <laughs> questions with that. So we've got the vision one, most important. Then we have second most important is collaboration. So this is our relationships with other people, good relationships with other people. This is also a social confidence and having strong support networks that we can lean on and a real sense of trust in the people around us and teamwork. So especially if somebody's in a leadership role or a managerial role, this is, you know, being able to delegate to your team and trust mm -hmm. that they're going to do the work, um, being able to lean on different people in your life, being able on a personal perspective to be vulnerable enough to share parts of your inner experience with people in your world, which deepens our connections and increases intimacy. So that increases good relationships, support networks, and all of that. So a sense of collaboration and being able to lean into, into other people is very important. Have you found that because of what we just went through during this pandemic, that that's an area that people are struggling with? Yes. Teams are fragmented yeah. and the office dynamic, you know, people get paranoid a little bit, right? Like when somebody just shoots off, you haven't seen somebody in six months or longer, and they just shoot off an email with no greeting and no sign off. And it just says, need this thing done tomorrow, right? It feels cold. Right. And anybody is going to get that sense of like, 
okay, right? Like, like that was a little harsh, even though it might not have been harsh. They might've been doing it with a smile on their face. And like, oh, I love this person was sending this email because I know they'll get it done, but we don't get that. And so we're really missing some of that in-person exposure. We're missing sometimes taking the time to really put in those greetings and those sign off offs that really protect relationships and build relationships. Yes, it's a problem. Okay. That's so true. It's almost like you were talking about that equity with yourself. It's almost like the last two years drained that equity with our teams. If we haven't been, you know, actively working on them and you're right. It's like those little things. I have to remember that because even though I'm very warm in person, when we, you know, I type out a message, I'm just like a get to the point kind of person. Cause that's how I love to communicate. And I've really learned from my team because I watch them and they're like emojis and memes, which I would never, I would never do that if it was just me. And now I'm like, okay, what emoji, but just to let them know, like, Hey, my tone is really, it's friendly. I don't mean to be coming off with so intense. So are those little things that people can do to kind of solidify those bonds again? 100%. And I totally get it when we weren't the generation that like started with the emojis, it feels a little bit weird and cheesy almost uh-huh. or overly dramatic, but this is an example of how we have to adapt in order to keep cohesion. We do have to adapt with the new norms of communication. So I, I love that example. And you know, what's interesting too, and the, the journal is American Medical Association, their journal JAMA, so Journal of American Medical Association just came out with a study and they looked at, you know, what has happened because of the pandemic. And we're seeing a lot more mental health symptoms and a lot more fragmentation in social connections. Mm -hmm. However, that is true. And this other thing is also true. There's less stigma around mental health and talking about difficulty than there ever has been before. So it's like both things are true. We're struggling more, but we're also talking more about it. And so for me, I view that as really a gift. Like, okay, we will take more struggle if it allows us to really address concerns and develop language and culture that allows us to grow together and just be better humans. So on the other side of that is like, okay, from the collaboration domain, yes, we're more fragmented. Yes, we need to account for some of the things that we've lost, the relationships that we've lost in the face of COVID. But, or, and we can also have these conversations with our teams better asking what they need, right? This makes resilient teams. So yes, I love that. I do too. And I love that you brought up, I know we're going all over, but it's just because it's so many good little nuggets. I love that you always share that two things can exist together at the same time that almost seem like conflicting, but they're not. It's like, I can feel this way and I can also acknowledge this. So that's, that's so great. Absolutely. There's struggle. And also that can mean growth. And that's awesome. Okay. So we talked division, collaborative relationships. What's next? So, okay. So then we have two that come hand in hand. So we have composure and reasoning. Okay. These two come hand in hand because in order to access our reasoning brain, which is our frontal lobe, our executive functioning cortex up there, we have to calm down our limbic system. So if our limbic system is fired up because of our environment or, you know, previous training and previous experiences or whatever, our limbic system is fired up. It's basically impossible to really access our really good reasoning brain. And so when we look at these next two domains, we have vision, we have collaboration. Now we're on composure and reasoning. Composure comes first because this is basically about emotional awareness. So I notice that I am super defensive right now, or mm-hmm. I notice I really don't like talking to this person or whatever it is, right? Emotional awareness is key for being able to start to regulate our emotions. 
stress management is another one. And all of these little domains underneath the domain do come with their own little tools, right? But we need to figure out, okay, how do we manage our stress on a daily basis so that we're entering into the office or virtual office or whatever it is, not carrying stress that's going to make us more reactive and less tolerant already, right? So right. stress management is a big one. That emotional awareness is big. Being able to stay calm and in control, literally no matter what happens, and being able to tap into mindfulness. So this is basically the radical acceptance and the soft interest at the experience at hand. I will give you a quick example of this. The other day, I was actually, it was a few weeks ago, getting ready to go to my ocean-oriented expedition. So I was headed off to the Bahamas, catamaran in the Bahamas, and I had all my bags, okay? And on the very top, I decided to do the normal thing and get a bag wheeler, like a carrier from the lobby, right? Usually I carry it all down myself. It's like a little workout. Today, I was like, I'm going to stack them all up. So I stack them all up on this bag carrier. And on the very top, I put my backpack, which had my laptop, my GoPros, my drone, and some other electronics. It was all the most expensive stuff. All the most expensive (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And I was bringing brie cheese for the chef and the chef on the catamaran said, whatever you do, don't squish the brie. I said, perfect. I'll put it in my backpack. Well, I'm on this. Okay, side. Wait, hold on. I'm already in. If there's brie cheese, I'm coming. <laughs> oh, all the cheese. Yes, of course. Michelin star chef too. So we ate. Oh. Very well. oh my God. So anyway, so I'm protecting everything right in this stack. And I go in to say bye to my dog and I'm on the seventh floor. I hear this crash and a boom. And my backpack fell over the balcony and it, six stories to the oh very bottom, goodness. all my electronics basically gone. Right. And I had this moment where I felt my emotion brain start to like, you know, really ramp up. Like how could, how could this happen? I was mad at myself. I was mad at the situation. Right. And I really had to tap into my emotional awareness about how strong my nervous system is reacting, my ability to manage my stress, stay calm and in control, because I couldn't have this being carried with me to the rest of the trip, what I was responsible for, you know, really creating an experience for so many people. So by staying calm and looking at it almost with a sense of humor, because who does that even happen to? Right. (laughs) Like this is a life story. Then I was able to tap into my reasoning, which was the planning and prevention. So this is the one, two, three, fourth category. Okay. So we have reasoning is planning and prevention adaptation, basically, okay, this is my reality. What do I do next? Right. How do I still make my goals work? Introspection. So being able to reflect on ourselves and stay connected to ourselves, even in the face of some hardship and resourcefulness, which know in research resourcefulness relates to creativity and being creative to solve a problem is more rewarding than being able to solve the problem easily. So being curious, like, how can I take this and flip it around? Yes, yes. And so I had to think about, okay, whose laptop can I ask to use, which is kind of annoying, but also increases some social connections, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's all these benefits that come from a large stressor that we don't immediately see, especially right. if we aren't able to tap into that third domain, which is composure. So if I was just wrapped up and like, I can't believe this happens and oh, I, I lost everything and now I can't do this well, then I was not going to be able to access reasoning and creativity and really being able to get around the problem and almost look at it with a sense of humor. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I love that too, because I'm just thinking early in my career, there was many times that I'd lose my composure when things would go south and not in a mean way, but in a more frazzled way. And 
what you're describing right now, and I think that comes with time and practice and these resources, I also think your team is watching you. And it's it's almost like people always talk about this training, but I think some of the best training is when they see how you respond to an adverse situation and saying, okay, let's be curious. How do I now change it? So I think that's just a huge, and I love that they work together because it's almost like you can't have one without the other. Yes, absolutely. And that's a key thing that you bring up is what we're trying to do and what, what we know makes good leaders and managers is being able to model some real humanity mm-hmm. and how do we respond to problems. If we think about a leader, a leader is who we look to in times of stress who say, this is going to be okay and we can figure out a way around it, right? They right. maintain a ton of composure. So they're not reacting. And then that allows them to access their reasoning and get creative around a problem. And good leaders do that. They say, there is no problem that can hold us back. We will find a way and motivates right. teams, right? And inspires people. And so I had that experience too, when I decided to be open about what had happened, you know, to everybody, they said, you're handling this very well. I said, well, you know, what, what else can I do really that's going to be effective? And so we kind of use that as a way to reinforce the resiliency model too. So I think, you know, it's, and all of these go hand in hand and we have to kind of float from one domain to the other, but these, the composure and the reasoning come together. And if we notice ourselves just really being upset about something, then that's our cue, right? Once we have the definition, now we have control over it. So we have the cue to say, okay, I need to compose myself. What does this mean? How do I get composure? Okay. I'm going to go do cardio, right? Or I'm going to go make sure I schedule some social time, or I'm going to take a nap, right? This, I always feel better when I do this thing that helps us compose and helps us access reasoning. And that's really what we're trying to get to. So are those some physical things like that you can kind of notice like, like, oh, I need my composure because all of a sudden I'm feeling flushed or I feel like the anger is like in my chest. Like, is that a, is that something to know yourself like physically? Definitely. I always say like, wow, isn't it interesting how strong this emotion is in me right now? And that's my first cue. Like my nervous system is doing something. Um, I also noticed my first cue is feeling like the water is here. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm like, I cannot keep my head up. My emails are piling up like right. fear of, you know, what other people will think or whatever it is that comes in for you is like, that's the stress piece. And so whatever it is that you can feel like this doesn't feel good anymore. Right. That's key to step into composure and regulate your nervous system. So then you can tap into reasoning and start to say things like, okay, well, what can I do within these next 15 minutes? Or how can I schedule some time today to make sure I'm focusing on that thing? Or what is really going to happen? Like, is anybody going to die? Right. Probably not. (laughs) Yeah. And is it a bad thing to take a step back and not worry about stuff for a day? That's actually a gift, right? right? So yeah, that's where we get to reason a little bit with it. So before we go to five, people are going to wonder what happened to the Brie. <laughs> shockingly, I love that you asked this because shockingly, the Brie was five. <laughs> I really don't know how that happened. Oh, but as it turns out, Brie survives a six-story fall. Better than a GoPro. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but the most precious cargo made it on the Caterpillar. Yeah, yeah, me and the Brie. <laughs> I made it on the Caterpillar. The Brie made it. We're okay. Oh my goodness. Okay. Awesome. So then we move into five. What's five? Yes. Okay. So five is tenacity. 
Mm. which when I first looked at this scale, I was like, that's such an interesting word. I haven't heard that word in a long time. And I need to really, you know, look up the definition of this word because it's not something that we hear all the time, but it's actually extremely important. So this is about a mindset mixed with an action. So tenacity is all about persistence, maintaining motivation, no matter what, having a realistic sense of optimism, which I personally relate more to like, our life view, like our existential viewpoint of like, what is the purpose of life and what is the purpose of of suffering? And I'll get back to that in a second, but basically all in sum, it's our ability to bounce back very quickly, no matter what happens, literally no matter what happens in our life, being able to say, okay, why is this happening? Well, because I'm human and alive and I have a high paced job. So like, of course I'm experiencing this. Right. Mm -hmm. And then also what can I do next? There's always something that I can do next. And I'm going to reorient to that. I'm going to maintain my motivation and my persistence, no matter what is happening, because there's always a way. And that realistic, realistic sense of optimism, you know, for me, and I, I like to kind of talk about things in existential terms is basically like, well, what is the point, right? What are, are we supposed to not suffer? That makes us hate suffering. Like this shouldn't happen and this should never happen. And if I would have just done better, that could have prevented this or other people could have prevented this. That just makes us angry and stuck, right? When I think about realistic optimism, I really think about like, okay, no, life basically shit is supposed to hit the fan for every once in a while. We don't expect it or when we could have prevented it in some way, but we're human. And so realistic optimism about saying, no, this kind of stuff is supposed to happen. If I'm human and alive and choosing this role, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be experiencing. So let me feel it. Let me compose. Let me reason and maintain my sense of tenacity. That's going to keep me moving forward no matter what. There's a quote, I think it was from Albert Einstein. I'll finish the tenacity with that is he, he basically, you know, people were interviewing him after he came up with MC squared or, or whatever it was. And they're like, you know, how does it feel to be the most intelligent person on earth? Highest IQ, whatever. And he responded with, look, like, I really don't believe I'm the most intelligent one. I'm just more persistent than anybody I've ever seen. Nothing worked out for me. Like I failed out of school and I was like the weirdo and I, none of my solutions worked. I kept trying to think of something. It was always a dead end but I kept going because I believed in it and it was important to me. Persistence was key. So that's really tenacity. And when we look at leaders and managers, that sense of tenacity comes along with good leadership and it brings a huge ability to lead teams and keep your own well-being high. I love that word. I, because I think even what you've shared about it, it's like, that the, there there's no denying that it's not like a false sense of positivity where it's like, everything is rosy. No, it's like, there's going to be difficult things, but I'm just the type of person that is not going to stop and is not going to give up. And I think back to the identity, it's like when that is tied into your identity, you kind of look at things like through a different lens, like, yeah, this is rough, but I think some of the best qualities, sometimes you develop them through some of those rough times and kind of yeah. thinking like, what am I going to end up on the other side of this with that? I didn't have before this trial came up. Yes. And I fully believe that, you know, our, our resiliency relates to, and and our job really is to constantly re, uh, redefine ourselves and our identity and redefine what we expect out of life because life, you know, you think life is going to look like a certain thing. And then suddenly it looks like something different. And our, our suffering comes from, we're trying to hang on to that old thing or, you know, whatever it is. And so the more and tenacity is about this and composure and reasoning and vision, they all come together is about saying, okay, no matter what happens, I'm going to pick up, I'm going to pivot. 
I know there's something else around the corner. I just have to keep putting myself there and making more connections. That's collaboration. So you can really see how these, all these domains are very important to kind of keep thinking about and, and repositioning yourself towards and building. And then when you have that, then that resiliency and opportunity and options are maintaining themselves high. Wonderful. Okay. So what's the last one? The fifth, the fifth is pretty obvious, but no other resiliency scale has ever included this, which I think is wild. It's health. So that are the sixth, I mean, the sixth and last domain is health. Yeah. Which they define as uh, sleep, good sleep, uh, regular exercise, healthy nutrition, and really positive health views. So really looking at health as an important part of your life. You know, sometimes we'll talk about health in terms of exercise and nutrition, but we now know the science is showing that, you know, figuring out how to get your sleep pretty consistent is an important one. And especially for how our brain cells flush themselves and all of our cells grow, we need those levels of health in order to even be able to do good reasoning or to be able to maintain that tenacious mindset. So health is like a pillar with all of them. So you can't really push a hundred miles an hour, 24 seven and not affect health and think that you're going to be a great leader is what I'm hearing. Right. Nope. And you know what? I give little quick hacks for this too. Um, for healthy nutrition, I always highly recommend that any busy person sign up for a quality meal delivery. So, you know, paleo can be really good where it's mm-hmm. decreasing some grains and just keeping everything fresh, organic and healthy delivered to you. So you don't have to think about it. You're not going to reach for the easy thing. That's just going to, you know, be the bad thing to put in your body, make it easy for yourself outsource, right? That's a great thing to do for um, exercise, getting a personal trainer who will hold you accountable. I know me, I would never do it if I didn't. <laughs> I know you told me that before. I that you don't that, yeah. love it. I, I'm always open about it because I'm like, look, like I finally accepted it about myself and I'm not going to let more time waste. I pay a personal trainer to keep me accountable. And when I look back on the years that I've paid that money for, I don't regret it because it's actually brought me some major health benefits, right? So it's like, figure out what makes it easy for you to put in. And then with sleep, I highly recommend this aura ring. I know so many people with this now. Have you heard of this thing? Yeah, I've heard of it. Tell tell about it. It monitors the quality, right? Yes. It's one of the best biometric wearables that we have. And it measures so many different things, oxygen saturation, heart rate, breathing rate. It does sleep architecture. And I used to be in sleep science. So I was really skeptical about the sleep science side. It is awesome. And it starts to make you behaviorally more aware of your own patterns and it makes you prioritize your sleep more. Mm -hmm. So I highly recommend this for people with any kind of sleep issues or who want to just be better sleepers. Well, and I think for people, sometimes they hear this and they're like, man, this is a lot of money, all these things. And it's like, you're going to pay it on one end. So it's like, pick where you're going to spend it. Are you going to spend it being sick or are you going to spend it putting it in the front end and being preventative? And I'm I'm with you. I'm a team of doing all this stuff ahead of time before it catches up. Absolutely. And there's always a way to figure out how to do something like a little bit more cost-effective, right? So, you know, there might not be the aura ring, but I know people are using the whoop now, or, you know, even something where you're tracking your sleep yourself, there's always options. And this is where we always want to think about the reasoning piece, the resourcefulness, because if it's important enough to you, you will put it in. But if you can put those funds to something, even if it's only three months to give yourself a good foundation, I always highly recommend it. 
Yeah, I think that's such a good point that you mentioned that there's always options. Some of our property managers, they're not leaving their desk to have a lunch. They're not, you know, and that's one of the things I always talk about is let's just even start there is stopping your work, going to get lunch, going for a quick walk and getting some sunshine. And then, you know, if you can't just add on to those little like kind of layers of great tips. So can we just do a really quick kind of a review? Can you give us the six since we we talked so much and brought so much value? Yes, absolutely. So the six domains of resiliency, number one is vision. So having your purpose and meaning set, your alignment and your priorities and motivating yourself towards goals that are well-defined. So I recommend everyone, even at, right after this podcast, do set your timer for five minutes and create your vision for the rest of the day, your vision for the week, maybe even the month. Because if we can do that consistent exercise, we're doing so much for our own resiliency and moving towards our goals. So we got vision, we have collaboration. So relationships with people in our teams are extremely important, good ones. We have composure, the ability to regulate our nervous system so that we can access the fourth one, which is reasoning. And then we have tenacity, which is that resilient mindset, persistence, motivation, realistic optimism. And then coming in last, but not least, of course, we have health and that's sleep, diet, and exercise. Oh, this was so good. So what I love about them is even though you talk about different things that are maybe an investment, these six are free. So even if you don't have a big budget to keep investing in yourself, would you say that this is accessible to anyone? Absolutely. Again, kind of going back to the beginning of the conversation, once you know the word, right? And this relates to vision too. Once you can see it and you understand it, then you have control over it and you can put it into action. And so I would encourage everybody to just kind of, you know, do your own research and you can kind of dig into this stuff on the internet and figure out how you can create a better sense of some of these things in your own life, how you reorient to it in the face of stress um, and basically how you get the best traction, which I, I really think would be, you know, if we're going to work on something immediately, it would be vision. So doing exercises for that, making sure everything is aligned, collaboration, building good relationships and good communication, and then health, which is just something we can put in every day. I love it. So for those though that want to take it to the next level, can you just, can we wrap up by talking about your retreat a little bit? Yes, would love to. So the retreat, so this has been such an exciting thing for me, a business initiative, a personal initiative this year. Um, and for me as a high performing person who tends to be a little bit too hard on myself, I really found a lot of balance in the ocean. So I do live in Miami and I was always a scuba diver, but then I got into free spear diving, no wait, free diving and spear fishing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> spear diving. So free diving and spear fishing and free diving is this amazing mix of these sciences where you basically hold your breath underwater. We're all capable of it. And it's amazing. So the people that I've trained in this, the high-performing people that I've trained so far, some of them have had no experience in the water. Some of them have never even put their face in a snorkel mask in the water before and benefited so well. And they got trained in level one free diving. And just, it's a metaphor for so many things. So the way that I design these expeditions is, you know, it's basically for the, the leader or the team who is speaking with me and kind of what they want out of it. But I take a group into the ocean on a beautiful catamaran that is fully staffed. So we have a Michelin star chef. 
who does ocean to table. He also is a free diver and a spear fisher. So we're catching all of our own fish and having fresh ceviche, sashimi, all kinds of creations. And then I'm leading people through individual growth plans that relate to the neuroscience of resiliency that we're folding in consistently to all kinds of ocean adventure and really embedding ourselves in the raw salt of the earth experience that we don't experience that much because we're busy, we're in our normal lives, but really our brain responds really well to tapping back into the basics, right? So I make it only four days because everybody's busy, right? right? But so four days, three nights, it's a little incubation to really reset. And it's been absolutely amazing for me, you know, to kind of pull this together and have it such a creative piece of my expertise, what I can offer, and then just to see people's reactions to it. So I'm excited to, to plan more. That's awesome. I'm going to make sure to include all the information in the links, your photos and videos that you have shared. They are amazing. And I think for some that are looking for something, I mean, there's just something about the ocean alone that is like a resetting of everything. So I think this is so incredible. Dr. Vera, I just want to thank you. This has been, I feel like for those that are going to hear this, this is like such an actionable thing that they can implement immediately. And I will share all of your links for those that want to follow and connect with you. Is there anything that you want to leave any last, last parting words? No, I think that that's it. I think that, you know, we all just have a responsibility to make sure we plug these things in our life and, and make sure we're working on it. And kind of just building those positive relationships and with ourselves and other people. So I just encourage everyone to do that. And that our main purpose here is to experience joy. So the moment that we are just really stressed out, we need to tap back into resiliency and pivot a little bit. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining me. And I hope awesome. we can do it again.